Welcome to the teaching ministry of Magnolias First. For more information, visit www.magnoliasfirst.org. Well, I'm so glad that you have joined us for worship online this morning. And though there are just a few of us here on Sunday morning in the worship center, we are gathered from hundreds of different places united with one heart in worship unto the Lord. Uh, You know, I think Cindy and I have turned the corner with at least one of the challenges of this pandemic. Uh, On Thursday, she went to Target and she came back with this. There's a picture coming. Yeah, she came back with that. And you probably can't read what's on that pack of toilet paper, but it says, Everspring, down-to-earth solutions that are up-to-earth's standards. Well, not only did she come back with toilet paper, she came back with save-the-earth toilet paper. What a, what a wife. And I just thought that was funny. And, you know, I think we need to look for humor in the midst of these very serious times. And so I thought I would begin this morning by sharing some funny things in the middle of a pandemic that I have noticed. So here are two or three. Uh, She also went to the grocery store this week, and as she walked in, and I'll not say which grocery store, as she walked in, there was just this gigantic display of beer and wine. I mean, just massive. And right in the middle of that giant display was one scrawny little rack of Christian books. Now, I'm not... uh, criticizing anybody that loves their beer and wine, but I just thought, okay, here we've got an island of faith in a sea of booze. I just, I thought that was a little funny. Or or maybe you saw the report on television about the bakery in Houston that was offering a roll of toilet paper with every cake that they sold. Well, I thought that's a pretty practical bonus, but uh, I'm not sure what kind of commentary that is on the quality of their baked goods. Uh, But one more that really struck me as funny, Uh, one of my sisters-in-law is an expert seamstress, and for more than a decade, she's been working for a small company that makes custom-fit bras, and she's very good at what she does. But in this pandemic, as you might imagine, uh, she and the company quit making bras and started making masks. And uh, they're doing their part to help out. And she offered to make a mask for me. And I I really appreciated that. She's really good at what she does. But, you know, knowing what that material was ordered for and intended for to put that on my face, I don't know. It just seemed funny. And maybe you've encountered some funny things in the middle of a pandemic. And so I'm going to ask you, would you send those to me? I'd love to read them. My email address is there on the screen, edc at magnoliasfirst.org. Send me your funny things in the middle of a pandemic, and who knows, they might show up in a sermon in these coming weeks. I, I think we need to find humor where we can in these days because these are very serious days. All of us, I think, now realize that we could be, anyone could be infected with this virus. Uh, But I want to talk to you today about an even more serious infection than coronavirus. 
And you and I are not in danger of being infected by this disease. We're already infected, every one of us. And so the phrase that I want you to remember, my big idea for today is this. There is a disease that infects everyone, and the cross is the cure. And that disease is what the Bible calls sin. Today is Palm Sunday, and we remember, of course, that on that first Palm Sunday, Jesus began a journey, and he was hailed as the king as they waved palm branches and shouted Hosanna, but his journey would not lead to a coronation. His journey would lead to the cross. We're going to look at many different passages of Scripture today, so I encourage you to just follow them on the screen and we'll provide them all from the New Living Translation. We see the account of Jesus on that first Palm Sunday in John's Gospel, chapter 12, verse 12 and following. Read them with me, please. The next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. They shouted, praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's colt. His disciples didn't understand at the time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. But after Jesus entered into his glory, they remembered what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him. Yes, they thought Jesus would be crowned king, but Jesus could not be crowned king until he became the sacrifice for our sin. Though Jesus will be crowned as ruler over all of his creation by everyone on that day of his triumphant return, in the first century, the Jews expected that he would be crowned king at that time, that he would overthrow Rome, that they would be set free, that they would be put in power. They didn't understand that Jesus' mission was first to reconcile us to the heavenly Father, a God who is holy, and that that could only be done through the cross. And later on, the same people who cheered him on that Palm Sunday shouted in demand that he would be crucified. John 19, verse 14. It was now about noon on the day of preparation for the Passover, And Pilate said to the people, look, here is your king. Away with him, they yelled. Away with him, crucify him. What? Crucify your king, Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the leading priest shouted back. Then Pilate turned Jesus over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus away. Carrying the cross by himself, he went to the place called the place of the skull, 
in Hebrew, Golgotha. There they nailed him to the cross. Two others were crucified with him, one on either side with Jesus between them. And Pilate posted a sign on the cross that read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. The Jews there that day who witnessed Jesus on the cross had gone many, many times to the temple to sacrifice animals, to atone for their sin, to sacrifice lambs. And they didn't even realize that that day they were watching the Lamb of God. Verse 28. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill Scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there. So they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, It is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Jesus went to the cross, but why? We must understand the cross was necessary because God's divine nature demands justice for sin. God's holy and righteous nature cannot coexist. It cannot be in harmony with injustice or unresolved offense. And our sin against a holy God is unresolved offense to him. We are sinners. We are sinners by inherited nature. We are sinners by personal choice. All of us have inherited from our initial ancestors, Adam and Eve, a heritage, a legacy of sinful condemnation. And not only that, every one of us have chosen of our own free will, our own volition to go our way instead of God's way. We have chosen sin. We are sinners not only by our heritage but by personal choice. The Apostle Paul spoke of this in Romans chapter 5, beginning with verse 12. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, for, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break still Everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit command of God as Adam did. In these days of pandemic, we should be able to even more fully understand that sin is a silent killer. And this silent killer does not just kill our bodies. It condemns our souls. This was not God's intention for mankind. God's original intention we see in the book of Genesis as the Garden of Eden, a place where there was no sickness, there was no danger, there was no death, but Adam and Eve ruined that for all mankind. 
when they decided they would seek to become gods rather than love and obey the one true God. And so God in his love and compassion for mankind that had been condemned by the sin of Adam and Eve made a temporary covenant in which we could atone for sin through the sacrifice of innocent animals on the altar of ritual worship. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 9 verse 18 and following spoke of this covenant. He said, that is why even the first covenant was put into effect with the blood of an animal. For after Moses had read each of God's commandments to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats along with water and sprinkled both the book of God's law and all the people using hyssop branches and scarlet wool. Then he said, this blood confirms the covenant God has made with you. And in the same way, he sprinkled blood on the tabernacle and on everything used for worship. In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. The innocent for the guilty to atone for sin, to make right in the presence of a God who is holy and in whom there is no sin, that atonement could be made and God's divine justice could be satisfied. Verse 23, that is why the tabernacle and everything in it, which were copies of things in heaven, had to be purified by the blood of animals. But the real things in heaven had to be purified with far better sacrifices than the blood of animals. You see, the old covenant was just a picture of what had to be done to reconcile us to a holy God. Again in the book of Hebrews, chapter 9, verse 9. This is an illustration pointing to the present time. For the gifts and sacrifices that the priests offer are not able to cleanse the consciences of the people who bring them. For that old system deals only with food and drink and various cleansing ceremonies, physical regulations that were in effect only until a better system could be established. Now, some hear this truth from Scripture and they say, well, I don't think I like that. I don't agree with that, that someone else could atone for my sin or anyone else's sin or that innocent animals should be sacrificed. I'm not sure I like that. Well, what you need to understand is it's not about our human opinions. It's not about what we think or what we feel or what we would decide. The scriptures are God's divine and perfect revelation of his nature, of what he demands. And to think that we have a right to question or challenge that is to not understand that in a presence of a holy God, we're like ants in the presence of a nuclear physicist. We don't get a vote. The scriptures tell us what truth really is. I continue with verse 11. 
So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. What temporary sacrifices could never do, Jesus did once for all for us on the cross. And whether we as human beings would agree with it or not, or like it or not, or prefer it or not, matters not at all. The Bible says this is the eternal reality. This is the righteous demand of the nature of a holy God. And the beauty and the power of this story is that he did not leave us isolated and condemned. He made a way for us in love and in grace. The Apostle Paul, again, spoke of this in Romans chapter 3, beginning with that very familiar verse, verse 23. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standards. But look, yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Oh, friends, the cross was the reason, it was the reason Jesus came to earth for us. A great old hymn that we used to sing when I was growing up, the chorus says, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. He did everything necessary. You know, I heard a report uh, this week that Johnson & Johnson, a well-known company, believes they just may have made a breakthrough that could lead to a vaccine for the coronavirus. And they are hopeful that perhaps as they fast-track this vaccine, where it would normally take several years, it might only take 12 to 18 months. But just imagine if they really did find a vaccine and they could even more quickly verify that it would indeed cure those who have been infected by COVID-19 and that anyone who would take it would be healed and led to, to health and strength and life and that there would be no bad side effects. There would be only positive and good and healthy results. If there was such a vaccine, let me ask you, wouldn't anyone infected take that vaccine? Wouldn't they rush to the sources where it would be made available so that they could be cured 
and not die. Of course they would. And we pray that something like that will surely happen. But in this more serious disease, this longer lasting disease of sin that not only affects our physical bodies, but our eternal souls, there is an unquestioned cure, forgiveness, atonement, And we don't have to do anything to earn it. We do not have to pay for it. For Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. But in order to be healed, you must receive what Jesus has done for you. It's a free gift, but you must receive it by faith. If there was a cure for the virus that's spreading across our world It would do no good unless we received it and it was administered to us. So it is with faith. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 10, 9 and 10, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you're made right with God And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. The cure for our spiritual disease will only heal us if we receive it and act upon it. And so I ask you on this Palm Sunday morning, have you done that? Have you received the free gift of God's grace through faith in his Son? Will you, if you have not done so, Receive that from the great physician, the Lord Jesus Christ. I leave you now with three challenges, three next steps. They're simple and they're quick. Number one, perform a self-test on your spiritual condition. If you do so, you will see that you have sinned just like all the rest of us and that you are in need. And have you received that cure? The grace of God. It's not about being a Baptist or a Catholic or a Methodist or any other label we might want to to pick. Have you received the grace of God through faith in Christ? If you're not sure, if you have questions, if you have doubts about whether or not you have received God's grace, then would you write me? Once again, here's my email address, edc at magnoliasfirst.org. I would love to just enter into a dialogue with you. Next step number two, believe that the cross was to bring an eternal cure for your soul. What I presented to you today is the gospel. Believe it. It's not my idea. It's the truth of God. And then finally, receive what he did for you by faith and begin to follow him. It's not just a single life event. It's a journey, a journey of faith and trust in loving obedience to the Lord. So once again, if you'd like to dialogue about it, I would love to do so. Write me at edc at magnoliasfirst.org. This matters to me because you matter to God. And there is a disease that infects everyone. And the cross is the cure. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray for every family, every individual, 
that has been a part of this worship and has heard this message today. If they have not yet trusted Christ, I pray that they would see more clearly than ever that the cross is the cure for the disease of sin and that when Jesus was nailed there, that they were on his heart and mind. May they receive him by faith, I pray. And for all of us, Lord, who have received the gift of God's grace, we thank you for your great love for us. In Jesus' name, amen.